This is the way that Jesus taught his followers to pray. He told them, pray then like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Matthew 6, 9, 14. Amen. It is very good to, to be here with you guys. Um, I wanted to say a couple of things. You know, at the beginning of COVID, uh, you were having earlier services than, than you are now. And I got a, a wonderful chance, if I got my sermon done in time in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, to worship with you guys virtually. And I, I just want to say, especially to Giorgio, um, it matters. Everything you do matters. Uh, and it, it, has, it has ministered to me. You, you've been such a, a wonderful safe landing for my friend Chris and, and Sarah Jane and the girls. And so, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I want to bless you um, with God's Spirit through the Word today uh, as, a, as a thank you. And this is, uh, this is Palm Sunday and I want to talk about uh, that last petition in the Lord's Prayer that we just heard read by um, those dear children. But uh, before I do, I want to, I want to set the, the tune with, with an illustration. Um, my wife and I, when I graduated seminary in 2013, we uh, took a West Coast trip and we ended up in, um, in uh, Yellowstone. I'm sorry, I, I need to look at the, the camera. You told, me, you told me, Chris, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, uh, um, and we we went uh, to to Yellowstone and immediately talked to a park ranger um, woman, and she said, "Now, have you ever been uh, to Yellowstone?" And we said, "No." And she said, "Well, we need we need to uh, clue you in on something. You are in Grizzly Country." And she was very serious about things uh, that you should do and things that you shouldn't do if you are in grizzly country. And I think that more than, more than anything in the world right now, especially in the West, guys, I think this is the role of a Christian right now um, to help people and ourselves realize that we are a part of a spiritual realm. And what this section of the Lord's Prayer does is that it helps us realize that we are in grizzly country and that there are certain things that you ought to do and ought to not do when, when you become aware that you're in uh, grizzly country. Now, in order uh, to help us become aware of that, uh, Jesus teaches us to pray. And um, I'm going to, this is what I do with my church. Before I pray, I spend some moments in silence. And what I ask our congregation to do, and if you're at home or in the car, it'd be kind of hard to do this if you're in the car, um, spend, spend some moments in silent reflection with just the awareness that God is actually present to you and that your eternal reality, your spiritual reality, is actually more real than your felt reality currently. That's what prayer sobers us up to to realize, that we are eternal beings that will live on for trillions and trillions and trillions of years. 
And so one of the ways that I like to do that with my church to get us to realize that is, is to sit in silence just for a few moments, and I want you to pray with me silently as I pray, and just simply acknowledge God with me. So let's, let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, the sounds of the birds, the smell of the south, um, your presence has been there from the beginning before we were created. And as we seek to tap into that, tap into you, uh, we need your Spirit because we cannot do this on our own. Um, we need help to enter into what you see, and we need help to accept what you give. And Lord, you say that even we who are evil uh, know how to give great gifts to our children, and how much more do you want to give us the Holy Spirit, which must mean that at our deepest core, a human being is so delighted with your Spirit that that's what we want deep down. And so, Lord, show us, uh, show us that again this morning. Uh, I bless this church, Lord. I, I pray um, your blessing over all of the individual sacred stories in this room and watching virtually and over the staff here. Thank you for all that they do. It's so important. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I, I had a friend who was talking about one time he went to Haiti and they were, in, they were camping in like this local tribe outside uh, of the city gates, and he was, in a, he was in a tent, and he heard these dogs barking, and this was a sort of a region that, that worshipped a lot of voodoo spirits um, there in Haiti. This was right after the earthquake in 2010. And uh, he said that the dogs uh, were loud, and they sounded like they were continuing to get closer and closer and closer to his tent. And he was... Uh, he was a grown man, and he started getting scared, though, and, and he, was, uh, he didn't know what to do, and so he started praying this, actually, this petition of the Lord's prayer. He said, deliver us from evil, Lord. Uh, deliver us from evil, and he kept rehearsing it to himself and rehearsing it to himself, and he said about the time it sounded like they were right outside of his door, it was almost as if somebody threw a rock at one of the uh, dogs and it yelped, and then they all scattered right uh, when they seemed like they were going to come into his tent. And I remember his face when he was telling this story. He said, you know, um, that could have been coincidence, or it could have been that God delivered me from evil. And I, I, want to, I want to say something to you, and this is to myself as well. I understand that we live in the 21st century. I understand that most of us are Western in uh, this, this room or watching. And, and if you think it's an absolutely ridiculous idea to think that there are evil forces in the world, you really should consider that most of the people in the Southern Hemisphere of the globe assume spiritual realities just as much as we in the West think it's kind of like a silly idea. If you, go, if you go to Africa and Asia and South America, it's very prominent. 
um, that the spiritual reality is seen as very, very alive and vital to how you function in the world. And the part of the church's role in every age is to remind the world and remind ourselves what Ephesians six twelve says, which is that we do not, we prayed this with Matthew Henry's um, prayer, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, I just, want, I just want us to think about that for a moment. Part of evil's strategy in your life and in my life is to get us to overly focus on our felt, present life to the neglect of our eternal reality. Part of evil's strategy in your life, this is very clear in Scripture, is to get you to overly focus on your felt experience at the expense and to neglect your eternal reality, your spiritual reality, which will last forever. That's the main way that, that, that God shields us from temptation, lead us not into temptation. Uh, the main way that we're tempted is, is that we basically say, in essence, I seem more real than God. Or this pleasure seems more real than God. Or this pain seems more real than God. And the beautiful thing about prayer is that it sobers us up from that lie. It's like a, a glass of water. It's like a shot of espresso. Uh, the, the type of coffee that uh, Don, is it Don drinks, you know, the, the gelatinous coffee that's so strong. Um, there's just one point this morning to help us sober us up. I want to talk to you about the nature of evil. And I promise you, I promise you will be encouraged by it. So there are two, two main pitfalls when we talk about uh, evil or demonic forces. One author says it's, uh, one pitfall is to not believe that they exist at all, and the other is to believe and, and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Uh, whether you attribute too much weight to the power of evil, that God can't handle it, or too little weight to its power, that's part of the trick of the nature of evil. Um, the, the way that we should think about evil is very similar to how Jesus spoke to Peter about it. This is one of the most sobering verses in all of Scripture, and we prayed it. Uh, but when Jesus looked at Peter, he said, Peter, Satan, he wanted to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. The moment you pray this section of the Lord's Prayer, what you are admitting is that there are forces that would have their way with you if it weren't for God's deliverance, His supernatural deliverance in your life. Which is the posture of a Christian in this world? Uh, it's the rhythm of reliance. As Georgia said a few weeks ago, it's the rhythm of reliance that God likes. 
that, that we come alive when we are desperate for His deliverance in our life from crazy stuff. But here the reliance uh, is not just simply on our daily bread, but it's on protection from an enemy that we have no way to defend ourselves against or to fight against without him. Um, remember in Lord of the Rings, Gimli the dwarf, when he saw the ring of power and they were called to get rid of it and to destroy it, he gets out his axe and he tries to, to destroy it. And if you remember, that it's impossible to destroy, to destroy with weapons forged by um, people or dwarves. And that is to say, flesh and blood cannot compete with the spiritual forces of darkness. You are in grisly country. And you can uh, claim that grizzlies don't exist. But you have to contend with many people who have had encounters with grizzlies. And if you don't, here's my warning to you and to myself. If you don't become aware of this, it's like walking around with a jar of honey. And part of the role of the church in the world today, I'm convinced, is to sober up. This isn't crazy. This is the best explanation, the most coherent explanation of why you feel what you feel. And what other people respond to when they hear the, the world and, and they hear their own hearts and the desperate cries that they feel. Um, Sinclair Ferguson, he talks about the day of evil being when temptation, desire, and opportunity meet each other at the same time. He said, you know, sometimes we are tempted to fall into a great sin, uh, but we're, we're not, uh, thankfully, our desire is at a low point at that particular time. And sometimes, um, unfortunately, we are tempted and lured and enticed and an opportunity arises for us to fall into a great sin. And he calls that the day of evil. And I just want to tell you, uh, if King David, who would soar above all of us in this room for his love for God, for his holiness, if he could fall, um, we all can. And I've observed this now for many years, and I'm sort of young still. I'm 36. Uh, and I can still dunk, by the way. I, that's what I do on my birthday. I dunk. At my, goal, my life goal is to dunk when I'm 40. Um, but I so like I'm 36. And, and I've sat here and watched, you know, uh, this happens so, so often. Uh, you can call it a perfect storm, but there seem to be moments in people's lives where the absolute worst circumstance happens at a time when you feel the most weak and a person becomes capable of the most terrible decisions and terrible actions. And it was always the most articulate and seemingly strong Christians that fell into great sins. It says ministers who are least predictable who have been living a double life right under our noses. And the reason why that's the case is that this is how evil works. That's the nature of evil. It works best in disguise. Not only out there, but in your own life. 
It tricks you into saying, just like what, what people said on Palm Sunday, save us, Hosanna. And then in the, in the very next few days, they yell out, kill him. That's the nature of sin. That's what it's like. The devil is a deceiver. And in our home, we had this catechism question with my daughter um, and my son now. We say, what, what is sin like? And the answer is sin is fun at first, but then it's sad. Sin is fun at first, and then it's sad. And here's evil's ultimate end in your life. It's to bring you into death. It's to convince you that death is better than life. That death makes more sense than life. But it'll never appear that way at first. To be led into temptation means to accept things as they appear and you draw your own conclusions without any outside voice or help. That's the wide gate. The wide road. Now, I want to I share my heart with you this morning. Um, and I do want to be sensitive. And I got permission uh, to share this with the family um, that I'm going to tell you about. But my, my best friend in the church, his name was Jordan. Um, something happened in his life and in his family's life the Sunday that we went virtual last year for COVID, and it made COVID, to me, seem like a mosquito bite. And what happened was that his daughter um, fell, and she hit her head, and it was, a bad, it was a bad fall, and they had to take her to the ER, and it did not look promising that she would survive. And that following Sunday, March 15th, um, you know, the world was going crazy. We didn't know what COVID was. We had shut down at Redeemer Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. And so I'm sitting there at my home um, and trying to uh, see if I can do something for my buddy Jordan because of this great tragedy that fell upon his family. Um, and that morning, uh, he decided to take his own life and I was uh, the first one on the scene as I was trying to find him. And uh, the reason why I share that story with you is uh, two twofold. When I found my buddy Jordan, I was certain that I was looking into the most evil thing that I have ever experienced in my life. What it smelled like, what it looked like, what it felt like. It, was, it seemed to be the result of something demonic. And there was something that was also simultaneously true in that same moment. Uh, I have never ever felt Jesus' presence more in my life than in that exact moment. And it scared me. But I also felt safe 
You know, that's the irony of the Christian life. That these overlapping truths that we believe can be simultaneously held. And I watched his wife, now a mother of four young children, praising God in the midst of her husband's funeral. Many of her family members don't even know Jesus. And I'm certain it was the most holy thing I've ever experienced. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 that God will never let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with each temptation, He'll provide a way of escape. That's a hard one. I know that deeper now, myself. God is faithful even in the face of the worst evil. So the question is, how do we live in the aftermath of something like that? Well, that's what this church is here for. To walk families through evil like that and proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's certainly what you've done for me. You didn't even know it. I'm not even here, you know, physically. The nature of fighting evil is spiritual, not physical. That's why Jesus tells us to pray, because I'm convinced, and there have been many who have argued with me, some of you may argue with me here, I'm convinced that we really ultimately can't help each other. My wife tells me this is cheesy, but I want to put something up in my office. I want to say, I can't help you, but I know someone who can. She's like, that's lame. And I say, you're lame. I don't say that. (laughs) But no, I mean, prayer is one of those things that makes you feel like you're doing nothing at all. And that's the point. It's to be the Christian's best friend. I say this to my shame. I don't pray as I ought for myself, for my church. But whatever the word prayer makes you feel, uh, I would suggest doing it again and trying it again the next day. And the next day, and if Paul, maybe the most bold Christian to ever live, needed prayer for courage, we all do. And my my plea to you is to never give up. Um, I I watched the the memorial service, the funeral of our dear sister Barbara McCoy, and I'm I'm um, was told that you are her husband, Dr. McCoy. Um, And I. I hope somewhere on her tombstone is joy in all caps. Because that dear sister, I never met her, um, but she blessed me. That's the mystical, sweet communion that we have with one another. And that even in death, we can bless people. Um, I, I love what one of your elders said as Chris was interviewing him. He said, you know, I was growing cynical and Barbara believed that God was actually working through things like prayer and pastoral search committees. And he said, she wasn't cynical. Boy, we need that right now. Evil meddles in cynicism. 
which always leads to contempt of self or others. And what Jesus meddles in is joy and hope. And the reason why is because He beat the devil. He won. He has the power to love people that shout His praises one day and curse them the next. He's got power. Uh, Most of your friends don't want you to take the spiritual realm this seriously. Even your own flesh doesn't want you to take it this seriously, but Jesus does. Uh, Jesus wants you to know how strong Satan is, but He wants you to know that He's stronger. And I want to tell you one last story uh, as we close. One of my uh, friend's dads growing up once got in a fight in the football locker room with the running back, and he said that he, was, uh, he wasn't winning. He was getting beat up pretty bad. And then all of a sudden, the running back took, took a, his helmet, and he hit my friend's dad across the, the mouth, and he knocked him down. And he said it was one of those hits that everyone was like, you really need to, like, stay down. Like, you lost. Um, and apparently, I don't know if this is true, but apparently my friend's dad got up with blood dripping down his chin and his teeth loose, and he just did like this at the running back. <sighs> and uh, I've always thought that was a good picture of a Christian. Because, you know, evil can beat you up in a million different ways. It sure has me. Uh, It's obviously way more powerful than us. We lost against it. But the sweetness of the gospel is that it allows you to stand bloodied before the devil himself and smile. Because we win. And you know that Jesus can't be taken from you and that he will win his entire creation. And he will win you. That's what the Bible is about. Jesus winning and defeating evil. That's the good news of the gospel. Um, This church is here to remind you of that and to continue to put Jesus before you and to rediscover him every day. Um, And it's worth it. Every single thing you do is worth it. If Jesus rose from the dead, it's all worth it. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the blessing that is uh, Redeemer Winston-Salem and all the many lives that you have uh, resurrected and are continuing to breathe uh, into and spread life into this city. And it extends. I I looked at the the mission board out there. Good grief. That's a lot of people, Lord, that you are blessing through this church. And I know you've blessed me. And so, Father, would you do it again? Uh, Would you bring us from death to life? Would you bring us the awareness that we live in a spiritual reality um, and that you would not let us get so consumed with what's right in front of us that we forget that? Lord, show us Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.